0: Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly, challenging as well. I wanna invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch Church Online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. If you're a person that works out, you go to the gym, you lift weights, you run on the treadmill, then you know exactly how important it is to have the proper form and the proper use of equipment. If you're not careful, and if you don't follow proper form, you can actually, at, at the very least, not you know, very much do, do very much uh, to properly work on your muscles, and at the very most, you can get seriously hurt from not doing things correctly. I love all the funny examples of the people who make up ways to use gym equipment, Have you guys seen those videos and memes? Well, I actually have a few examples for you. Uh, Pay attention to these right here. So what happened here is we told this girl that she needed to warm up and she didn't have enough jacket on so she started knitting a sweater. Pizza and working out its the best motivation, man. You do one rep, you take one bite. This is one of my favorite moves. It's the one-legged elliptical. It is so fun. Ah, the butt massager. See now, I've been using this thing for two to three years and the difference is astounding. I cannot tell you how different my butt is than it was from a couple of years ago. Now this is the, the, uh, the skier. It's where you learn how to ski. Fight that ab uh, machine, Bernie Sanders. More anti-gravity machine. No longer am I 300 pounds, but I am now 30 pounds. I'm flying. These are examples of people that you do not want to follow. If you're looking for a personal trainer, you ain't going to call any of these folks, right? Because they're not using the equipment properly. Some of you have been following the wrong examples, and now some of you know why the gym hasn't been working for you. There's a proper way to use the equipment in order for it to do what it's supposed to do. So you wanna follow the example of others who know what they're doing so that you can get the results that you want. If you follow bad examples, you might just end up on the next YouTube video. Last week, Paul told us to imitate those who are passionately pursuing Christ, those who are in red hot pursuit of Jesus. In today's passage, he's going to tell us to not imitate certain other people. How many of you guys know that there are some people you shouldn't imitate? There are people that are bad examples to follow. It reminds me of this proverb uh, which says this, The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. The proverb instructs that if you surround yourself with wise people, people who fear the Lord, people who make wise financial decisions, people who properly prioritize their life, you will follow their example and also live wise. However, if you surround yourself with a bunch of dummies, you're going to be a dummy too. If you surround yourself with people making foolish decisions, with shallow commitment, who mock and reject God and live with ungodly character, you will follow their example and you will live your life similarly. So who are these people that Paul advises us not to follow? Look with me at Philippians chapter 3, verse 18. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. He says that many live as enemies of the cross. He's going to go on and describe for us how enemies of the cross live their lives, and while Paul doesn't exactly or directly call out exactly who these people are, he does give us a good description. Now this, this warning from Paul begins with him saying, I have often told you, meaning that this is a warning that he's given many times. There, there's there's concern that because so many live as enemies of the cross, that they will set the precedent and there is the temptation to follow that. And so he has to give this warning frequently. He has to repeat himself emphatically He has to give this warning with deep passion and seriousness, wanting that the church in Philippi pay careful attention. Because obviously there's a very real temptation to imitate the bad versus the good godly examples. So what do enemies of the cross do? I got four big ideas for you guys today from Philippians chapter 3, 18 and 19. I'm going to give you guys the example, the the enemies of the cross set. But then I'm going to give you the antidote so that we know how to move forward. All right, so enemies of the cross, number one, satisfy sinful appetites. Paul says that for enemies of the cross, their God is their stomach. In other words, they don't pursue the desires of God. They pursue their own sinful desires. You guys ever have a craving for something? Like one day you just woke up craving an ice cream sundae. You haven't had dinner yet. You don't care what time it is. Because cravings don't respect none of that. So what do you do? You go hunting for a Sunday until you satisfy that craving. Well, what Paul is saying, the enemies of the cross satisfy their sinful appetite. In other words, they crave sin and they go hunting for it until they satisfy that craving. You know, it reminds me of a passage from the book of 1 John, which describes a few different types of sinful appetites. Here's what it says. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. John talks about three areas where we are tempted in our lives. He mentions the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh are those sinful cravings that we desire and we go ahead and satisfy. That the things our flesh likes to do and feel and touch, we choose to submit to our sin rather than surrender over Surrender it over to God. The lust of the eyes are the sinful things that we look at and that we allow to take a residence in our thoughts. Because God is able to judge, remember, not just unrighteous actions, but even our thoughts and motives, which can also be sinful and impure. And instead of looking upon that which honors God, we choose to use the eyeballs that God gave us to sin. The pride of life is the longing and living for one's own selfish purposes and vainglories. It's the accumulation of things and possessions. It's working your tail off just so that you can get the bigger, better, newer thing. You don't view your resources as a means to glorify God and advance His kingdom on earth. No, the pride of life is all about advancing your glory. The antidote to satisfying the sinful appetites is to satisfy the desires of the Spirit. It's to listen to the Spirit of God when He convicts you of sin. To turn with an attitude of repentance to allow the fruit of the Spirit to develop and mature in you. To listen to His prompting and guiding because He will always guide you towards righteousness. He will always guide you to think on that which is lovely and pure and holy. Enemies of the cross, they satisfy their sinful appetite. What about you? Because satisfying the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is celebrated and encouraging the world. Are you following that example? Are you following the sinful example of friends, co-workers, even family members who you love very much but are not surrendered to Christ? Or are you following the examples of fully devoted followers of Christ, aiming towards righteousness, starving the flesh and sinful desires to grow in maturity as we pursue Christ? Number two, enemies of the cross celebrate their foolishness. And Paul says that their, their God is their stomach, their glory is their shame. In other words, they find what they in other words, what they find glory in, what they celebrate, what they promote, are things that they should actually be ashamed of, things that they should be embarrassed by. But our spiritual enemy has so blinded them that instead of, instead of that, they glorify their foolish living. And that's what the world does. The world glories in what it should find shame in. Paul lived in a world without smartphones and internet, and he was able to see it. Today we live in a world with YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram and see the foolishness of the world in high definition. This is why people video and laugh and cheer for people at a bar in a drunken stupor, yelling obscenities and speaking incoherently. This is why there are videos of women dancing provocatively, wearing clothes to nothing, being objectified and groped by men. And what does the world do? The world laughs, cheers, celebrates, and gives it thousands of dollars in ad revenue from watch time on YouTube. There are entire parades held to boast in people's sins, and the politicians and community leaders march in them and wave flags and yell and laugh and celebrate and boast and sin. Such is the example of enemies of the cross. They celebrate their foolishness. The antidote is to boast in Christ. Not to boast in self, in your selfish ways, in the world's foolishness and sin, but in Christ. And that's why Paul wrote this in Galatians. But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world. What Paul is saying here is that nothing that the world's got to offer is even close to what we have in the power of the cross What Christ has done in me and for me through the power of the gospel goes way above and beyond anything in the world. When you have the cross before you, when you realize how God has saved you from our sinfulness and folly, you realize how foolish it is for the world to glory in what they do. It's backwards. You realize that what what they're basking in should bring them shame. Can this be said of you? Are you following the example of people who are passionately pursuing Christ and not boasting in their own accolades or foolishness, but boasting in the power of the cross? Or are you following the enemies of the cross who boast in their sin, boast in their foolishness, boast in their greed and debauchery, boasting in things that should bring them shame? Number three, enemies of the cross are earthly focused. Paul says, Their God is their stomach, their glory is their shame, and they are focused on earthly things. In other words, their mind, their emotions, their affections are all geared towards the here and now. They're overwhelmed, concerned, stressed, and consumed by what we see and what we experience now on this side of eternity. Enemies of the cross don't live with eternity in mind and instead devote themselves to everything now. So they stress out about the politics of the world. They're they're concerned with the financial security. So they pursue that stability outside of pursuing God's will or even inquiring what God would desire for them to do. They're concerned with satisfying their relational and sexual needs outside of God's timing and provision. So they take matters into their own hands because, hey, God, can't you see I'm running out of time over here? Right. So they swipe left swipe left, swipe right, take matters into their own hands without consulting the very God who knows you by name and who the Bible says only wants your good. They're all consumed by the news, by the media outlets, by the article that Grandma Sue shared on Facebook that the world's ending in 25 years and we're all dying is an earthly focus. Paul confirms this in Colossians when he writes the following, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Essentially, Paul is saying, yo, chill, relax, take a breather, put the newspaper down, stop reading the article, set your mind above, because you were never made for the here and now type of life. God created you with eternity in mind. So the answer, though, is to live with eternity in mind, not to be so focused on the things here. Sure, you can educate yourself, you can study, you can inform yourself on politics and climate and the best financial investments, but don't allow all that to consume you. And definitely don't allow those things to take the place of God because that's what enemies of the cross do. So what about you? Are you living with eternity in mind? Or are you more concerned about the here and now Are you not sure? The decisions you made this year, this month, and yesterday will help you determine what you believe about this. Take a dose of the antidote. Trust God with things that we are incapable of doing anything about. Focus on things above. Live with eternity and focus and refuse to follow the example of the rest of this world. Lastly, number four, enemies of the cross ultimately end in destruction. And this is actually how Paul began verse 19. He says, Their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame, and they are focused on earthly things. That is simply to say that for those who choose to live as an enemy of the cross, who choose to satisfy sinful appetites and celebrate foolishness and be focused on earthly things, at the end for them, what lies is destruction. Now, what is Paul talking about here in this verse? I believe you can look at it in one of two ways. Both ways fit and are true for enemies of the cross. The first way is that enemies of the cross face destruction right now. They might think they're living a fun and fulfilled life, but you can never know how complete a life you could live unless you do so under submission to Christ. That's why so many have all have all the money that you could ever want. They have a, a stable and successful career, a timeshare, For regular vacations and and beach visits and umbrella drinks and still be miserable. There are so many who have multiple lovers. They, They surrender to their sexual appetite. They feed their flesh. They indulge in all types of sin and they still live empty. There are so many that advocate for political change, do their best to kind of affect the climate, invest heavily in 401ks in retirement, and they still live purposeless. What is that? It's their destruction. Jesus said he came to give life and life in abundance. He gives a new identity, one that's not wrapped around what what, what you do. He came to give you a calling and a purpose, one that goes beyond any temporary goal that you can set on earth. And when you attempt to find meaning and purpose from all these other things and apart from Christ, you will always end up empty. That is the destruction that, that approaches enemies of the cross. Their sinful appetite is never quenched, their earthly pursuits are never satisfied, their celebrations never bring joy, and that is their destruction. Now the second way enemies face destruction is in eternity. If people choose to live as enemies of the cross, it is ultimately to reject God and reject the means by which God gave us to reconcile us to himself. And the message of the cross is both the most inclusive and exclusive message that you can hear. It is inclusive in that it is an open invitation to all. Everyone and anyone is welcome to receive the free gift of God's grace through Christ. And it is exclusive in that Jesus is the only way. Jesus claimed that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one would come to the Father except through him. And for those who choose to reject that invitation, they won't be forced to receive it. They won't be coerced to it. Ultimately, God will give them what they long for. God will allow them, Uh, an eternity without his grace, without his mercy, without his love, without his presence. It will be their eternal destruction. So what's the antidote? The antidote is to put your faith, hope, and confidence in Christ, not to confide in your works or your religiosity or your keeping of the rules. It is but by the grace of God alone. And when you do, the Holy Spirit fills you up and guides you towards growing in holiness. You reject more and more the urges of the flesh and you allow God's desire to reign in your life. And if you yet to put your faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross, you have an opportunity to do so today. And you have a decision to make. Which example will you follow? Will you follow the good, godly examples of people God has place in your life to have a gospel influence in you? Or will you follow the enemies of the cross, which will ultimately end in destruction? Some of you have been heading in the wrong way. You've been following enemies of the cross, allowing their ways to influence you. You need a swerve, you need an abrupt change in direction. And the Lord is here with open and loving arms, more than ready, more than willing, more than able to welcome you home. Let's pray. Lord, help us to not follow the example or be influenced by those who are enemies of the cross. When our sinful appetite arises, I pray, please, God, by the power of your Spirit, while we suppress those desires and instead satisfy the desires of your Holy Spirit. We don't want to celebrate and boast in our foolishness. Instead, we boast in Christ and Christ alone. He that endured the cross so that I don't have to. Now, we don't want to be so earthly focused. Thank you for the life that we have to live. Help us to live it to the fullest. But God, help us live in light of eternity. And Lord, keep us from destruction, both here and in eternity. We pray for those friends, those family members, those neighbors that are heading towards destruction. Help us boldly and lovingly proclaim the gospel to them. And we pray, God, you might save them from destruction in jesus name we pray amen guys i truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message i want to take a second to invite you to join us in person we're gathering this sunday at 11 a.m at the swerve hub 239 stanhope street right here in bushwick brooklyn And come on over. Join us. Come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?